0: Welcome everyone to Politics Express, the Postwriters Politics Podcast. I'm your host, the Postwriters Politics Editor, Lars Emerson. In the first episode of 2024, we are looking backwards instead of forwards at last year. And we are awarding, as we do, who we believe are the biggest winners, losers, and wildest moments of 2023. 2023. With me today is our editor-in-chief, Mike Levito. Hi, Mike. You excited? Uh,
1: Yeah, I'm always excited to do this. This is always, I think, one of my favorite episodes we do every year. Um, A very difficult one to do this year, I think, because as we were talking before we recorded, I think stuff happened this year, but uh, I don't think much was accomplished (laughs) is how I I felt. So I I realized as I was doing this, like... um, for categories such as uh, "Please God Go Away" and "Most Overrated Politician," I had an ample amount of uh, <laughs> of choices. Not so much for things like "Destined for Stardom" or "Biggest Comeback Story" or things like that. Uh,
0: yes, it was a very also like not really any big elections this year, so it was kind of it was kind of hard. So yeah, this is like the third year I think we've done this. So, yeah, Mike and I, we always message each other whenever we think, you know, someone's a little underrated. There's a big ground shaking event and we we pretty generally just between the two of us track some pretty wacky people and moments uh, in politics. So this episode, we will be talking about the biggest winners, losers, moments, most embarrassing episodes, photos, rising stars, high level comebacks and betrayals on the political scene in 2023. Uh The world itself will choose many of the winners and losers in 2024 by virtue of the ballot box. But we're here to tell you who we think won 2023. Overrated, underrated, betrayed, and more. Let's get started, Mike. (laughs) So our first category is Destined for Stardom, a category that uh, I found very difficult this year, like you said. (laughs) Would you like to start us off with who you believe is destined for stardom?
1: i would so so you said we didn't have a lot of big elections this year and, and that is true for the most part um i think perhaps the one that most people were watching was kentucky's gubernatorial election um and so for my destined for stardom i chose uh kentucky governor andy Bashir, who was reelected as a democrat in a very republican state uh he received uh over 52 percent of the vote which is impressive and i say destined for stardom not necessarily because i think he's going to do something kind of earth-shaking in kentucky um my understanding is that you know kentucky's governor is actually not as powerful as governors in some other states and the legislature which is still heavily republican will call be calling most of the shots but i do think it's four years time in 2028 or really 2027 when uh you know the democratic nomination will be contested uh, more seriously um I think people are going to point to his performance in 2023 as you know, who's somebody who really reached out to Trump's base and who did really well in, in like mining country and, and among the white working class is Andy Bashir. And there will be, I think, like kind of a, if not like a serious kind of in real life one, at least like a Twitter, if, if Twitter still exists, we'll get to that later. Um, there will be an online, I think, kind of like draft Bashir movement almost. Um, so yeah, you will be hearing about Andy Bashir, what he does or does not do, I can't really tell you, but he will become more famous I think in a couple of years.
0: I like it. It's such a good pick that I was going to do him and then I was like, "You know what? Mike's going to put Andy Bashir." <laughs> so, I decided to go with a very hot take. So, my eyes, cuz we're now in 2024. So, my eyes are turning and zeroing in to the race for the Senate this cycle. <laughs> I think that Michigan Democratic Representative Alyssa Slotkin, who is the front-runner for the Democratic nomination for the retiring Debbie Stabenow Senate seat, has the potential, the potential to be something of a star. She's someone who people seem to actually really not care for on Twitter. Uh, Election Twitter... She's like a CIA agent, right? Yeah. Um, Election Twitter seems to, like, not like her. But she kind of strikes me as like, hey, what if we elected Mickey Sherrill to the (laughs) Senate? Yeah. And I, I, you know, I kind of like this, like, 2018 roster of kind of female moderate Democrats. Um, And, like, the Michigan Senate race is, like, a big race this cycle. And I just see people, I think you're going to hear her name a lot more. Um, And it was hard to think of another person.
1: No, I I think that's a good (laughs) pick. You know, I I remember I picked John Fetterman when we did our 2021 episode. Mike's best
0: ever pick, and he's been cruising on that.
1: Yeah um was that for 20 yeah it must have been for 2021 yeah. um but uh yeah so i think that's a good pick um yeah there's some people who will tell you that she has like the views and voting records of joe manchin that is not true at all Mm-mm. um but i think it will be an interesting kind of you know that kind of 2018 wave of you know flips that happen in suburban parts of the country against republicans excuse me you know i th- you think of it really as like a house level phenomenon Right. Yeah. Um, you look at the Senate, I mean twenty eighteen obviously Republicans held on to the Senate, and then twenty twenty, you know, maybe you wanna l- loop in like the John Ossoffs and the um Ralph Raphael Warnocks of the world kind of into that as well. But it'd be it's an interesting kind of like graduation of these, um, you know, primarily female lawmakers who were kind of came into office on this anti Trump wave in the suburbs and a graduation of at least one of them to the Senate. I think is kind of an interesting uh Interesting moment. Yeah, we'll see. I have potential I, to be a lead,
0: Yeah, but. I could very. This is the one I feel like I could very well be wrong. She could totally peter out and not even win her primary. But if she does, I want people to look back on this moment and remember <laughs> what I said.
1: Calling your shot. Calling your Fetterman. I show. just
0: want to do your Fetterman again because you've been, you know, cruising on that. <laughs> um, let's talk destined for oblivion. I'll kick us off here. So. Uh, I went with South Carolina representative Nancy Mace. Let's talk about someone who seemed to alienate pretty much everyone this year. Um, Do I think she's literally going to obliviate and disappear from the world? No. But uh, just kind of some context here. It started out pretty innocuous, like when she was first elected. She was a little Trump skeptical a few years ago. But this year, she's just had kind of weird moment after weird moment and kind of dominated more media time than I think she deserved. Um You know, first she gave a weird little story uh, at a prayer breakfast, letting it slip that she skipped out on premarital sex with her fiance, a fiance, who she's since broken up with, uh, to attend the breakfast. She then voted to remove Kevin McCarthy as speaker, uh, not because he, you know, conceded with the left or whatever the far right thought, but because he was actually not doing enough on issues like birth control and mass shootings. Uh, Then she wore a Scarlet, like a Scarlet A letter shirt uh after his ousting i just feel like she she's someone who just got really weird and i'm pretty sure no one really likes her anymore and i just see her um i don't know i see her vanishing from the public eye for a bit
1: yeah i think i read some reporting earlier in the year that was basically like she has a very uh media focused office you know she really just kind of wants eyeballs on her kind of yeah no matter what um and i was also reading today that uh so, like, redistricting has been in the news because you've had these, like, you know, uh, Voting Rights Act lawsuits that have, or have, the, have in some cases, redrawn um, congressional maps in states like Alabama and Louisiana. And apparently South Carolina, there's potential for that to happen as well. And they mm-hmm. were saying if that does happen, it will almost certainly be Nancy Mace's district, which is, like, created into the Democratic one. Yeah. Because uh, she is not very popular right now, and Republicans won't feel bad about kicking her out.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm calling is I think that like if they're going to kick someone to the curb, <laughs> why not Nancy Mace? Yeah. Who did you go with?
1: So I went with uh, Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips. Oh, that's uh, so good. Damn it. I should have picked that. <laughs> who, uh, as you probably know, is running uh, what I would call a key- chaotic, chaotic, I never really know how to pronounce that word, uh, campaign for the Democratic nomination in 2024 um, you know, he's running it really it just seems because he thinks, you know, and th- there's obviously concerns about Joe Biden going to 2024, chief among them his age, and of course his popularity of voters overall. Um, Dean Phillips made a lot of noise about how somebody should run. He wasn't saying that he should run, but somebody should run against Biden in the primary. Eventually that became him. And um, <clears throat> it's funny, when, when he first announced he's going to run, I actually thought like more was gonna happen with that. Like I, I just kinda of thought it would attract a bit more media attention than it did and it really hasn't. It's really petered out. He's really kind of betting it all on New Hampshire and the idea that because Biden is technically not on the ballot in New Hampshire, because it's technically not like a sanctioned primary, because on the first Democratic primaries in South Carolina, um, that he'll be able to win that. But if you look at polling, you know, Biden is outpolling him you know significantly in new hampshire i mean he's still getting around like like 17 ish percent last i saw but um but the reason i chose like oblivion in particular is is like no matter what happens he's kind of screwed right because if biden wins people are going to be like well why did you decide to waste all that money idiot and like um just get like generally kind of like be like that was pretty pointless huh um and if Biden loses, he's going to get at least part of the blame because it's like, well, why did you cast doubt on the fitness of our nominee? Why did you have to do that? Open up all the criticism, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I really feel like either way, nobody's going to want anything to do with him once 2020 is, 2024 is over.
0: Yes. And now he's been forced or kind of pushed out of his leadership position in the House and pretty much has no friends left.
1: The, the uh, other thing I referred Justin for Oblivion just because I thought it was funny because I forgot it happened this year was the Chinese weather balloon which, <laughs> um, was, was, it, was <laughs> it was destroyed. Li- literally. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, Dean Phillips is low-key such a good pick that even I forgot he was still around. Like, that's the perfect pick for this category. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's good. Uh, biggest comeback story. What uh, you got there?
1: So, it's funny. So... <laughs> i uh I had thought about picking Nikki Haley uh, mm. <laughs> because I really thought she did not have much of a chance in in the primary, and you know, granted she uh, I don't know no one I don't think anybody really thinks she's going to be the nominee, but you know she she had kind of like a wave of good media coverage. I think people generally think she performed well in the debates. She got more traction and like could very well. Um, come in second in New Hampshire ahead of Ron DeSantis. Uh, but we are recording this a day after the Iowa caucuses, where I would say she kind of underperformed a little bit. Um, yeah. I think there was probably hopes that she could come in second there, instead DeSantis did, um, even though she was the only non-Trump candidate to win a county. Um, but instead, I actually uh, I-, I looked across the pond for my answer and chose uh, former UK <laughs> Prime Minister David Cameron who is now a Baron. He is now Baron Cameron of Chipping Norton. And the reason he is now a Baron is because he is now a part of Rishi Sunak, the current Prime Minister's cabinet. He is the Foreign Secretary. Um, after seven or so years of Brexit induced exile, David Cameron is once again in the halls of power um, to try and help Sunak, and what many people think is a Conservative Party that will not be in power for very much longer, um, try and make sense of the world. So. You know, you thought you thought he was going to be done, but uh, but apparently not.
0: No, that that's a good one. Uh, I went with. Uh, so in April of 2023, the Tennessee House of Representatives expelled Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. They were two black Democratic representatives in the Tennessee House. Uh, they were expelled ostensibly for their protests regarding gun control in response to the Covenant school shooting in late March. Uh, they were then almost immediately reinstated slash reelected by the relevant like county boards in their home districts within a few days and then won special elections to keep their seats for the rest of their terms and the biggest screw you to the tennessee uh, house of representatives i've ever seen and that was just like it was like a wild week in state level politics uh and a pretty good comeback story like you could make a movie about that i don't know if you could make a movie about david
1: cameron (laughs) you could i think the tones are just be very different. Yeah. <laughs> um, that that that's a good pick though. Uh, they're 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 going to come up actually later on later on in my uh, my
0: list. Okay, King. <laughs> um. Okay. Most overrated politician. My favorite category. Okay. So I went with Ron DeSantis. Talk about a fucking loser. Nothing about his run for president <laughs> this year has gone well. From his nightmarish and glitch plagued launch on Twitter, his stupid little boots, the weird way he talks to people. Uh, I just struggle to find a single person, and I include you and me, Mike, and we were some of the first people to, like, two years ago be like, no, this dude is super overrated. But I struggled to to identify a single person who thinks Ron DeSantis is leaving 2023 in a better position than when he started it. There's no one, including yeah, I, him.
1: I, I almost picked him, but then I thought you would pick him, and also it just seemed too obvious that he's going to show up later on my list too. Um, yeah, it— it's so funny because it really felt like anybody who was paying attention knew he had some serious liabilities going to the campaign. And they were all right. Everybody was right about them. From his, you know, kind of whiny voice to his general just, like, thin-skinnedness to, like, the way he really seemed intent on, like, not doing, like, any media that wasn't literally funded by his donors. Um, which by— <laughs> I, So I wrote an article about, like, these two, like, right-leaning— Florida websites for the website the writing, um, one of which I, I I see now I can't remember the name but like one of which was like the rumor was it was literally started by Desantis donors and it l- literally shut down like a couple weeks ago um, <laughs> because the campaign campaign money is just drying up um, so yeah I, I think that that's a good choice um, and and also uh, a a, uh, a, a Florida House district seat that I believe he won uh, in the gubernatorial election last year and was held by a Republican was just flipped by Democrats today. Hmm. So. I even hit the grip on his home state is shaking a bit, if only slightly. Um, my most overrated... So, excuse me. I, I had a tough time with this because... Because um, I didn't want to pick Ron DeSantis and I had to pick somebody else and... <laughs> so i went with texas congressman chip roy um it's purely because pick. i so i earlier this year which again it's crazy well not really this year earlier in 2023 which it's hard to believe that like kevin mccarthy's first speakership vote happened early 2023 but it did um chip roy was kind of held up by a lot of commentators was like yes, a lot of these people opposing McCarthy are kind of doing it for selfish reasons as grandstanding, but Chip Roy is actually like principles and has things he wants to accomplish and rules he wants in place, and I was like you know what, they're right, and I think that's true but I also get the sense that Chip Roy is really not reading what's going on with kind of the Freedom Caucus in general, and either he is just kind of going along with it because he agrees with it or he just doesn't know he's actually being played like a tiny bit in, in my mind I don't know much about him, so maybe this is, like, maybe I'm just getting some things wrong here, like, but I just get the feeling that, like, you know, he kind of has this reputation as, like, this principal constitutionalist who's really smart and wonky about this stuff, but it really just feels like he's being sucked into the kind of, like, uh, vacate the seat of Rama that has, or vacate the chair of Rama that's, that's kind of taken hold of the Republican Party without really much of a plan.
0: That's interesting. I don't see Chip Roy as, like, I'm, I, I've i never kind of considered him as, like, this, this principled, or not principle's is the right word, but, like, this <laughs> strategic genius.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, and neither have I, but it's just, like, I don't know. Like, to me, it's, like, I think you, like, you could say, like, okay, Matt Gates, absolutely a nihilist, right? Like, yeah. I, I think that he really just wants to sow chaos for the sake of saying he did it like i think chip roy actually wants to accomplish things things he'll never be able to accomplish in the current state of the house because there i think are just things that you know that would the democrats never compromise on and even moderate republicans won't compromise on but i i think um i just think that like he's being drowned out by a lot of the chaos and, and not actually winning on things he thinks he's winning um i don't know like I said, I, I, I punted on this category a little bit because I couldn't come up with anybody other than the Santis.
0: <laughs> That's fair. I punted on the next category, but you can kick us off. For most underrated politician.
1: Uh, yeah, I also... Well, I wouldn't say I punted. I just kind of... I said Hakeem Jeffries. Um,
0: <laughs> he won because... a lot of...
1: <laughs> or he stuck it out a lot. Yeah, no, I, I think because, like, you know, you see all the chaos going on with the Republican Party... And in theory, you could argue something similar should be happening with the Democrats, right? You have this young progressive wing of the party that disagrees with leadership on a lot of key issues, and yet Jeffries has been able to keep them all in line. They have held the line firm, you know, when it came to things like, you know, the speakership votes. Um, You haven't even had moderate Democrats defecting and voting for, like, a moderate Republican. And he's been able to kind of work out these... Deals with people like Kevin McCarthy and Mike Johnson, whether or not they get voted on is a different question entirely. Of course, mm. not really under his control. But you know, I just you know, I just it just felt like for a guy, it's his first year on the job. He's managed to not screw anything up so far.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Hakeem Jeffries is a uh, he's a, he's a good pick. He I mean, he definitely had big shoes to fill taking the job as you know leader over from Pelosi. Uh, who you know kind of had that iron grip on the caucus, and he he like yeah he was like chair of the House Democratic caucus, but usually like the majority leader becomes speaker. You know he kind of like had this leapfrog to the top role, um, and he seems. Do I think he'll have a harder time when the Dems are in the majority? Yeah, but he's done a he's done a good job so far. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I. Uh, I, I punted on this a little bit. 2023, you know, kind of a historically ineffective Congress, uh, 118th Congress. The bar is really low for someone to be underrated, and that's my theme here. This is a Congress that will definitely be remembered for uh, what was not done <laughs> more than what was done, other than, like, expelling a speaker. Uh, so I'm going to give you one Democrat and one Republican, each who I think shine this year. Hint, neither of them are from the House of Representatives. Uh, on the Republican side, I think James Lankford, the senior Republican senator from Oklahoma uh, and the Senate's resident Malfoy look alike. Uh, he really surprised me this year. I don't think he and I would agree on most things, but I sort of admire the way that he's actually kind of stepped up, especially in the last few months, and tried to work with other Democrats on immigration reform. Um, and he's like one of the few senators who's actually gotten like substantial legislation through this Congress. Uh I'd like to at least hope he's maybe grown into his role a little. He was a bit more of like a frustrating, like more Trumpy Republican a couple of years ago. Uh, like I said, bar's kind of low. On the Democratic side, uh, more people in America should talk about this man. This is a guy who comes up, I think, every episode or every time we do this. Montana Democratic Senator John Tester is my most underrated Democratic politician of the year. Uh, I think if Lankford gets credit for just passing some legislation and just kind of stepping into his role, Tester gets credit for being able to do it despite being perhaps the most targeted incumbent up for re-election next year. Uh, he was the sponsor of several pieces of substantive veterans affair legislation that actually passed and was signed by the president. Uh, I think he deserves some special plaudits for actually stepping up and running again in what will be a very tough race. Not all of his Democratic incumbents did the same. Talk about him. He's great. <laughs>
1: I think those are both good choices. I think you could actually make the argument for uh, Senate Republicans in general, or at least most Senate Republicans, mm. for, I, I think, generally being pragmatic and working with Senate Democrats to come up with things, you know, like uh, like, like uh, immigration reform and all that stuff. I, I think they have not been the problem in the Congress, right? It, it, yeah. the House Republicans. Yeah.
0: Uh, with one exception who I will mention probably after our commercial break. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, our next category is Biggest Betrayal. I can do this in one sentence. Fox News firing Tucker Carlson.
1: Oh, that is interesting. That That's a spicy choice. Um, <laughs> huh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's, that's that, a, that was a betrayal. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Um, I, I guess I didn't think about it as a betrayal. I, I more just thought about it as a them saying well this guy's a massive liability
0: <laughs> oh sure but you know he thinks of it as a betrayal and it was like the yeah. biggest newsworthy thing that happened in media betrayals this year
1: yeah um that's a good choice Though so mine is something that i read about really just the other day um it is garrett graves possibly spreading misinformation about steve Scalise's cancer diagnosis
0: oh Um, yeah yeah.
1: so steve scalise was uh was he the first like post mccarthy candidate for the house yes because he was just
0: majority leader yeah
1: yeah um and uh but it turns out so steve scalise seemed like he had you know sewn up the uh the gavel but uh then sort of information came out about his uh myeloma diagnosis and basically the implication was he was going to die in six months um, apparently that's not actually the case. And I don't know that this has actually been confirmed, but it has been heavily implied that his fellow Louisiana Republican, Garrett Graves, was the one who spread the information about that because he did not want Scalise to be speaker. Um, the interesting wrinkle to this, as I mentioned redistricting earlier, is that Louisiana has to redraw his congressional map uh, because they uh, have to uh, uh, add a second uh, black majority district. Um, and the congressman who is going to get squeezed the most by that is, in fact, Garrett Graves. Mm. Um, and he will have to run against fellow incumbent Julia Letlow if he wants to keep his seat. And the reason why is because Steve Scalise is good friends with the uh, incoming, well, actually, he was just inaugurated, Republican Governor Jeff Landry. And this was a plan that was endorsed by Landry uh, to, uh, you know, ostensibly comply with the law, but also it doesn't hurt that he gets to... Uh, Hurt Graves as well.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, I remember reading the kind of simmering articles about that. Um, okay, kick us off with most embarrassing suck up,
1: Mike. um Oh, that's that is a good one. I just think somebody who is like bends pretty heavily to whichever way the wind blows, whether that's with the like one million speaker candidate she has had to endorse. Which, it's her job. She's the chair of the Republican Conference. I get it. Um, all of that. What really set me over the edge, though, and cr- technically it has happened in 2024, but when she referred to people who were convicted of crimes for what happened on January 6, 2021, as the January 6 hostages, <laughs> I was <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, that was, I think, pretty gross and stupid. And I just... She just, like... Just to me, like the worst kind of politician, which is one that um, I really should know better and then isn't because they are trying to advance their career.
0: Yeah, that's a great pick. I can't, I feel like we've mentioned her either in this category or an adjacent category in episodes prior. She, talking, I have no respect for her. <laughs> She's, she really just like is shameless about it. Um, <laughs> Uh, my most embarrassing suck up of 2023 was Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Mm. For reasons, I mean, just Google <laughs> the Clarence Thomas, Harlan Crow. Just start there, and y- you'll get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 mean, I don't know. If, if you get paid to be suck up, are you really a suck up, or are you just like, you know? I
0: don't. Know, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's he's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed. I'm yeah, embarrassed for yes. him.
1: <laughs> I, I agree with that.
0: Yeah. Um, so the worst rap. Uh, so this is someone who we believe gets a bad rap or gets more shit than they deserve. Um, another person who seems to make our, our list every year and apparently has made our list every year is uh, John Fetterman. I believe he received the worst rap of 2023. He's now, of course, the Democratic senator from Pennsylvania. Um, so yeah, I think he got a lot of shit early this year for, uh, you know, he went into treatment for mental health after being sworn into the Senate. Um, I think he now, you know, in 2024 and late 2023, I think he got a lot of heat for his, uh, relatively pro Israel stance. That's something that he's been kind of strangely, uh, conservative on, given he ran as a progressive. Um, but he's also been, uh, Weirdly one of like the most adamant pro-Biden advocates in the Senate. Um, And he's been like pretty straightforward in calling out his colleagues in a way that a lot of Democratic senators haven't uh, read Bob Menendez, someone we'll turn to later this episode. Um, I think he's very cognizant about the Pennsylvania electorate. And yeah, does that mean that he's taken a pro-Israel stance that some of the left leaning people don't like? Uh, Yeah, but uh, most polls don't seem to show that that's hurt him. Uh, I think he has a pretty good grasp on things, and I I think he got a little more shit than he deserves.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think that's a good choice, and I, I actually considered him for um, underrated politician as well because you're right, he's actually pretty popular in Pennsylvania, um, despite you know all of the stuff that's kind of gone wrong for him health wise, and he does get it from all sides, right? Because like you said, the left is pretty angry with him about his stance on Israel and the fact that he has not been quite as, you know, vocally progressive as he seemed to be during the campaign. You know, this was somebody who endorsed Bernie Sanders in 2020, but at the same time, he's always been kind of open about, like, you know, having more conservative stances on things like immigration and trade and stuff like that. And he also gets from the right, because there are some people on the right who are convinced that he is just, like, um, brain dead, basically, because of his health issues, which is kind of, like, offensive. And um, also just, like... You know he's not a great public speaker and i'm sure part of that has to do with the stroke he had but like i just think that there's like this people it's one of those things where it's like okay he won his senate election by like a pretty like for healthy margin for such a purple state um and he's done a really good job of staying in the public eye it's like i he's clearly doing something right and i think that people actually don't give him enough credit for that um so yeah i i I would agree um, the one I chose was uh, the people prosecuting Donald Trump. I feel like for the past two years, there has just been a lot of people who have been like, they're not moving fast enough. Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Why isn't he in jail right now? <laughs> it's like, Well, it turns out investigations and prosecutions take a lot of time to do because you want to do them right. And uh, Donald Trump is currently facing, I believe it's 91 charges, right? Um, and. Uh, like he there's good there's gonna be you know it's gonna be trials assuming he doesn't settle for some things i guess i don't know how the law works but um <laughs> you know it's it, to me it was just this whole thing where it's like it just seemed like there was I, I don't even know if bad faith is the right word i think there was just a lot of like ignorant um chatter about like how the the gears of justice were not turning fast enough and it's like yeah they never turn fast it's unfortunate but they don't this is just how things work. you got to be patient for things to happen. We'll see how it all turns out. But charges are there. The trials are going to happen. You know. And it's some people, I feel like, insisted it never was going to happen. But now it is. So, I, there you I,
0: go. I think it's funny that you say that they got the worst rap from the left. As if they're not getting a horrible rap from the right.
1: Well, yeah. That's yeah. See, uh, they are, They are not corrupt agents of the deep state. They have... I think pretty, from what I can tell, pretty solid evidence that uh, Trump did some bad stuff.
0: <laughs> Put this man on a jury, America.
1: <laughs> um, so best
0: rap—the person that we think gets the most appropriate amount of shit. I have a hunch we may have the same man here, but I'll let you kick it off.
1: I said Elon Musk. <laughs> uh, we
0: do not have the same person.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Elon Musk, uh. Twitter is so much worse than it used to be and it seems like a lot of that you can directly link to Elon Musk's decision making um whether it's alienating advertisers so now that I get ads for things like reptile conventions in Alabama um (laughs) instead of like Apple products which I assume pay Elon Musk more I have nothing against reptile conventions but it just seems like from a business perspective that's not good um you know he's let a lot of unsavory characters back on the website he recently uh, locked the accounts of some people who were critical of him um he uh the the whole blue check thing is so annoying because if you use twitter too much like i do so the whole you know you can pay for a blue check now and your response is listed higher in all the responses and so many of the blue checks are just bots who it's clearly it's clear they just like Wrote so they created something where it just kind of like rephrases the original tweet into like just a slightly different wording, so it makes it makes it look like they're commenting on it when they actually just kind of regurgitating what's there. <clears throat> um, just like a really obnoxious personality who's made like lots of horrible business decisions and said said and agreed with some really racist, anti-Semitic stuff. So um, yeah, Elon Musk. Uh,
0: yeah, he'll 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 come up in my superlatives later on. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: uh, so someone who I think got a very deserved amount of shit this year was New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez. Uh, I, I, I I associate myself with some very proud New Jerseyans who have all been telling me for years that he's, that Menendez is an incredibly corrupt uh, person. <laughs> um, how do I? How do I? How do I put this? Uh, he also just doesn't seem to be able to learn a lesson. So you know, Menendez was indicted, I think, now twice in 2023 uh, for basically taking bribes. To make it very simple, um, this is not his first rodeo. I think it's his second or third rodeo. Like he has gotten <laughs> out of several close calls for pretty much very similar issues before. Like, dude, what's your? Did you not learn last time to just not do it? Like. I don't know. I, I feel like he should stop.
1: Yeah, and this this isn't like uh, you know they they found literal gold bars, at, <laughs> yeah. like like and and just like things stuffed in his jacket, and just like you know very clear like it's just like stuff out of Goodfellas, basically. Yeah. And um, my my favorite thing of the whole Bob and saga, who who is one of my senators, I am sorry <laughs> to say. Even when I was when I was so this is this is a little bit of a tangent, but like um. I was in the Boy Scouts and one of the merit badges is it's there's three citizenship ones. I think it's like citizenship of the community, citizenship in the nation, citizenship of the world. And for citizenship of the nation, you have to write a letter to um, either one of your senators or congressmen and you have to preface the letter saying D- to the honorable blank and I was like, well, I can't send it to Bob Menendez because I can't call him honorable. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and this was when I was in like 10th uh, grade, so even then I knew I maybe mean, not 10th grade, maybe like either or not um, seventh I don't know I was young, point is um, <laughs> so yeah uh, but my favorite part is that he said something to the effect of like, well they're just trying to, you know, tear down a powerful Latino oh you know, like yeah, Latino <laughs> powers, like, you have been in politics since the mid-1980s the guy, like, you have been in power for a really long time and skirted by so much, like I don't think this has anything to do with that. I think it's because you are a corrupt dude. That's just like a shady, shady guy. And um, well, he will hopefully not be my cylinder for very much longer. Yes, yes.
0: Uh, okay, let's move into our photo categories, and then we'll take a commercial break. So for best photo, uh, I feel like last year we really struggled. Um, uh, but I think this year we had a wealth of very good photo moments. Uh, Pop-Tart Bowl, mascots aside... Uh, I think the Chinese balloon gave us, like, some pretty entertaining photos that made their way around the Internet. Uh, but I think my my crown here is going to go to uh, the f- kind of photo series, or just if I had to pick one specific photo, I can give you that. But, like, the photo series of, like, uh, President Biden in Kiev. So, like, this was the first time in modern history that a sitting president... Uh, traveled to an active conflict zone that was, you know, not under control by the Americans. And it was the closest a president had come to combat since um, Lincoln during the civil war. Um, also the like story of how they like got him on this train and like, then he just like, is out in Kiev walking around and the air, there's like the one kind of moment where the air raid sirens start going off. Um, those were like some great photos.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good choice. I, I always have, have a tough time. With this category, but, but that's a good one. Um, yeah, uh, uh, it's crazy that the closest to an active war zone since Lincoln. That was actually insane when you think about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, my pick was we mentioned like the Tennessee three earlier: mm. uh, Justin Pearson, Justin Jones, Corey Johnson. There's a picture of them that was taken by Nicole Hester of the Tennessean, and it's them uh, with like uh, they're they're kind of hand in hand, raising their 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 hands in the air as they're leaving the house. Um, and it's just to me, it encapsulates kind of everything, just the way I think the tables turned with that situation, where you kind of hear it initially and you're like, oh, it's it's the Tennessee Republicans flexing their muscle and getting rid of these people they don't like. but it it, it turned them into martyrs and it turned them into kind of like heroes and icons for some people. Yeah. And um, the fact that like you get kicked out of your job, you're able to leave like triumphantly, and then also you return a couple of days later. Um it looks like a picture that would like be in a history textbook. Um uh, you know, it, it, it looks like a it almost looks like something from the civil rights moment, movement, not to get too dramatic about it, but it has yeah. that kind of like iconography um in my mind.
0: No, it's a, it's a good photo. Um I just I just looked it up. Uh what was what was your worst photo of the year?
1: So, it wasn't a worst photo so much as it was a worst graphic. Um, <laughs> but uh, I believe this was on Instagram, and it was an account that was called BLM Chicago. I believe there is some controversy as to whether or not it is actually the Chicago arm of Black Lives Matter or is actually affiliated with Black Lives Matter. I can't really tell, but it was a picture, it was a silhouette of a man in a parachute with the Palestinian flag sticking out of it saying something along the lines of stand of Palestine. of course, uh, there were uh, Hamas terrorists who rode kind of parachutes and hang gliders into Israel to murder people. And uh, you know, I, I think it is a completely valid opinion to um, take issue with the way that Palestinians are treated by Israel and of the current military campaign ongoing there it is another thing to kind of like basically endorse uh, the actions of Hamas and the murder of innocent people and uh, just, like, a really, really bad look that they ended up having to retract and apologize for. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, speaking of really bad looks, but which we did not receive an apology for, um, my worst photo of the year was the Donald J. Trump mugshot. It's just so stupid looking. Like, he just looks (laughs) so weird. Why is he like this? I don't know. I also just feel like it was, like, a mix of... I just hated it because, like, on the one hand... There's, like, all the resist libs just, like, refreshing the Georgia screen, desperate for the mugshot. For what? Like, it's not like it was a surprise it was going to happen. We knew he'd been booked. Like, we knew it was going to come out. And then you have, like, all the takes. It's like, oh, he posed like this so that it's, like, he, his base. I don't know. It was a bad photo.
1: (laughs) Also confusing because on Twitter it's, like, some people have it as their avatar. And sometimes it's because they think it's, like, cool, like the Jane Fonda mugshot. Right. And sometimes it's because they think it's, like, stupid and they're making fun of him. And you can never really tell. Yeah. Um, It also was (laughs) – it it, uh, created a little bit of a Wikipedia controversy because, like, it has its own Wikipedia page. (laughs) And uh, there was some controversy about whether or not it was notable enough to have its own Wikipedia page, but uh, it does.
0: It is. It is. (laughs) Not saying it's a good photo, but it is notable.
1: It, It circulated enough in the culture
0: yeah uh I, did,
1: did i tell you um i uh was visiting dc this year and um uh, i saw you once or twice when i was there but uh I, I was visiting with my dad um like two months ago and we went to the the national mall and you know they have like the the uh the national mall's merch game has gotten weird in the post trump era <laughs> and yeah. there was one and it was a t-shirt and it had the mugshot and it said wanted for president <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought it was both funny and sad.
0: <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> uh, well, we will take a commercial break, and we will be right back with our big, big categories.
1: If you're a fan of the Post articles, podcasts, and projects, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. So a once-a-week digest of everything we've worked on, what the site is up to, and other things we'd recommend each Monday. We don't believe in subjecting you to daily annoying emails, but we do believe
0: in keeping our most passionate and loyal supporters in the loop on what we've been up to.
1: We know how inconvenient and annoying it is to have your inbox flooded with constant reminders and useless material. That's why we run a curated weekly newsletter that gives you a once a week scoop. New subscribers help us know how many people are reading and listening to our work and want to hear more from us. So go to thepostwriter.com
0: slash newsletter to sign up now. And we're back let's get back to our uh, 2023 superlatives Mike we've got our first category here is the most overreported story of 2023 I'll kick us off here because you already invoked his name but I think anything Elon Musk was the most reported story of 2023 I'm gonna I'm gonna make some statements here I get it He's a powerful man and he deserves accountability for many things. And I think he deserves praise for some things. I think he's kind of a person who only historians will be able to like kind of characterize in a fair way. Um, Like, yeah, he enables and partakes in hate speech uh, and he seems to worsen political discourse. Uh, He may also be like a very serious contributor to like electrification and like uh, space, (laughs) Uh, which are good. Like, I don't care for the guy at all. But I can at least see that historians could kind of have to do this Henry Ford thought process with him. you got to weigh these things. Either way, I'm fucking tired of hearing about him. Like, for all the reasons you say. But, you know, this year saw him, like, intertwined with the DeSantis campaign. There was a big book about him. There was his stupid Twitter polls. Is he still CEO of Twitter? No one seems to know. Uh, All the advertising, how he told advertisers. (laughs) Actually, this is the story that it should have been more reported because it's hilarious. But he was like, yeah, go fuck yourself to the advertisers i don't know i'm just like kind of said okay yeah yeah (laughs) i'm just like kind of tired of hearing about him like he's just not interesting i was at a bar uh three weeks ago or so talking to our a bartender who it turns out was very problematic and he was just like yeah i love Elon musk he's an alpha like that's a that's a prize man i'm just like what who cares no he's not (laughs) Well, whatever. That's my most overrated, overreported story.
1: Yeah, I know. I think, and it's funny because I was listening to our, uh, epi- like this episode that we did last year, and I think we both said Elon Musk buying Twitter as overreported, or <laughs> maybe you did, and I think I actually said anything to do with Harry and Meghan. Hmm. Um, oh yeah. Saying, but um, but uh, that's fair. Yet yeah. no, I, I do think there there is like a little too much attention paid to it, even though I think it is important. Um, and I certainly just use Twitter too much for me to ignore it. Um, but yeah, I think that's totally fair. And yeah, Teslas are good. Um, most of the other things he does are not. Um, so I went with um, Rich Men, North of Richmond, the uh, <laughs> viral hit of the summer, um, written by Oliver Anthony, slash also Oliver Anthony Music. I don't know what name he prefers. Um this of course was the song about uh working overtime hours for shit pay or or something like that and um it 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 got embraced by conservatives as this anthem of like kind of the age of like economic malaise and inflation and also he has some lines about um how he wishes (laughs) i i can't say this without laughing how he wishes that politicians would care more about miners, as in coal miners, which, yes, of course, um, instead of some miners on some island somewhere, a, uh, uh, a reference to the Epstein list, which, talk about overreported, but I guess this was technically this year, but we'll get to that later. Um, but, uh... Mike has
0: Epstein on the sad-to-see-you-go category.
1: No, my, 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 my Epstein tangent is that, like, a big deal was made about the Epstein list coming out and then it was there was absolutely nothing surprising on it oh yeah it, it was like nobody it was like, Yeah, we all knew Bill Clinton was friends with him like we knew that already yeah um, doesn't make it good but like it's like there were no revelations in that. Yeah. Um, anyway but oh no, this this song so it would have been one thing if it was just a song that was going around social media and people were talking about it this was the first question asked at the Republican primary debate was why do you think this song is resonating with Americans and I know there is some controversy as to, like, how it became popular. It seems like maybe like like, AstroTurfed a little bit. Like, there was a deliberate campaign to make it popular. Hmm. Um, but, and I know Fox lost a massive libel suit this year. I know they fired their biggest star this year. That was the most embarrassing thing Fox News did this year, was take this song by this random guy and ask people who are trying to be the most powerful person in the world about it. I just complete, like... Mm. Misreading the room, in my opinion, and none of the candidates wanted to talk about it either. You could yeah. tell there was complete disinterest in it, and there was complete disinterest of it in Oliver Anthony himself. He said, "Please do not use my song in that debate. <laughs> the song is about Democrats and Republicans. I don't like either of them." Also, like he, it turns out that like he's really not politically like <laughs> you know he had he the other the other choice line in that song is how um, if you're three hundred pounds. It was like if you're like five foot four and 300 pounds the like, welfare shouldn't pay for your fudge rounds um which is a very rude line um <laughs> but like but then he also i think said some like pro lgbt stuff like later on like a later appearance and it like it, justin terry the, at the ringer basically said it best words like he is literally just some guy like you should not be looking to him or any other musician be it him or taylor swift or like the guy busking on the street corner you should not care what their political opinions are for the most part. You should not look for them for guidance. And the idea that the song was held up as something culturally important, um, and something that had to be discussed at a Republican primary primary debate was just absurd to me.
0: Yes, it fell very flat.
1: It felt flat and forced as well.
0: Yeah. Uh no, I I like it. That's a good one. Um what about your most underreported story of the year, Mike?
1: so i kind of two things one of them because it's really not underreported i think it just hasn't necessarily been aggregated in the way that like it needs to be and is maybe not as discussed as it needs to be but like there's been like a serious movement to like roll back child labor laws in the united states Hmm. um specifically in iowa and florida and there have also been like major child labor law violations especially in like the meat industry and slaughterhouses and also the roofing industry particularly with um uh just like having like 14 year olds like work as roofers and stuff um and it feels like that should be like a bigger deal and and i i don't really want to give it the most underreported spot because like there are people reporting on it it's just that it turns out child labor laws are like pretty like state and local based so i feel like there hasn't necessarily been like the one definitive piece investigation about this rollback um but to me the bigger one just because like i i have no idea like why this is the case but it seems like like candidates have had issues getting signatures like enough signatures to appear on ballots recently Mm -hmm. like most famously it happened in michigan where there was like i think like three or four um uh people running for uh the republican nomination for governor um were disqualified because they didn't have enough legit signatures and that included some like big names like well relatively big names like perry johnson i believe james craig or the, the, the former sheriff of Wayne County. I forget his full name. Craig is his last name. Um, but also in Rhode Island this year, you had Sabina Matos, who was lieutenant governor, who was running for Congress. She had some signature, signature issues as well. Earlier this year, the Rhode Island Republican Party had issues getting signatures to get the like, Republican primary candidates onto the, like, the state's primary ballot. Yeah. And you only needed 1,000 signatures to do that. And yet, somehow, it became an emergency for them. So maybe it's just a Rhode Island thing. I don't know, um, but it just seems like there's been this issue recently with signature gathering, and I, I don't know why. And I, I'd love someone to do the investigation as to as to what exactly's going on.
0: Yeah. No, I remember the Rhode Island thing. Um, I like, I like, I like that one. Um, so my most underreported story. Uh, so I'm, I was very tempted, I kind of have like three, but I'm choosing one. I I, I was very tempted to kind of say that at least, and this is more a reflection of like 2022 looking back, I think that at least the first speakership fiasco was something that was like underreported as a reality. I don't think a lot of outlets like took seriously the chance that that was going to go 15 rounds. Um, it's something that we were ahead of the curve on, just going to throw that out there, but like I don't know, in like December, that people weren't really talking about it. December 22, people weren't like, eh, Kevin McCarthy's got it. They were just like, hmm, seems like it could be tough. <laughs> um, I was also tempted to say uh, the Tommy Tuberville military holds, but I'm going to talk about that later. Um, so my most underreported story is kind of similar to yours in a way, Mike. Um, something that really frustrated me throughout 2023 was kind of the polling and the stories about polls. So yeah, my answer for most underreported stories, just the state and salience of polling right now. Um, I wish someone could very clearly and effectively distill what to make of polling and how to read polls, uh, or at least how to talk about polls in a year before an election. I wish someone could like talk about um, how a poll doesn't make a lot of sense when it's giving Biden this margin of plus 10 in a certain state, but like, negative like 10 in another state, when did that like i don't know who needs to write this piece i don't think it's me um and i hope it's not nate silver but like he might honestly be the best person to write this um someone needs to do it though like there's there are so many things about like polling right now that just don't make sense and like they don't seem very salient um and i hate articles about like our individual shows that all the state our poll shows that all the states are competitive that's a stupid article (laughs) An, an article that's like hey Here's a hundred polls. Things are a little weird. And let's talk about it. I just, someone needs to write the meta commentary there.
1: Yeah. I just, I just want to know why that one New York times poll had Biden winning Wisconsin but losing Nevada, which is like, yeah, it seems like it should like, I, I, I have a hard time believing that that would case what would happen. Right. Um, That's just like a, a result that doesn't really comport with reality so maybe there is some like weird massive realignment going on but i think you're right like the the polls have just been so weird and like like you i don't know what to believe right yeah right and i just think that um yeah they've just been so scattered and it's not even the idea of like they showed trump beating biden it's the idea that like you said the, the results are so inconsistent yeah um and it's unclear as to why
0: yeah um our next category is who burned brightest and fastest uh, So we built this category as our 15 minutes of fame category. Uh, in my case that is almost literally true. House Majority Whip Tom Emmer was the Republican or is the Republican representative from Minnesota and for about four hours he was the GOP conference's third pick for speaker after McCarthy was ousted. His nomination lasted less than an afternoon. He literally had about 15 minutes of fame this year and then he disappeared forever. <laughs>
1: That's a good choice. <laughs> um, really him, Steve Scalise, uh, uh, Jim Jordan. You know, you, At you least they all had Lisa
0: days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're also
1: more famous in general than Tom Emmer. Yeah. Um, I went with uh, the, uh, the, the recently withdrawn Republican primary candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy. Mm. Um, you know, I feel like there was kind of a lot of hype going into the first Republican debate about... Yeah, because i think at that point he was pulling third if i remember correctly um or somewhere thereabouts and um a lot of people were introduced to him on that night and a lot of people said no thank you we don't like you very much <laughs> um and there, there was i mean there, there was a lot of stuff written about him right like he had pro, a profile written about him in the new yorker it may have been like 2022 that actually came out but um you know he, he got a lot of attention um but he really seemed to fade down the stretch. I mean, going into Iowa, it, no one was expecting to be competitive at all. And to me, that happened really quickly. Yeah. Right. Um, and I just don't really see. Um, I, I, have, I have a tough time divining his political future. I feel like unless he runs for like a lower office, like, you know, senator, governor, congressman or something. I, I, I don't see him. You know, who knows? Maybe he, he ends up in a second Trump administration. I don't know. Um, But I just have a hard time seeing him, like, becoming, like, a serious political player again to the extent that he was one in the first place.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yes. I almost picked him for my dear God, please go away category. Um, We can talk more about it then. But I I remember that first debate uh, came on. And I had not – I think you'd been following him a little more closely than I had. Um, Mm -hmm. He was, like, terrifying. Like, he – I remember just, like, messaging you, like – God, this guy is, like, hor- like, horrifying. The things he says are, like, actually scary. Like, I don't know. He he didn't deliver them with the humor that Trump does. No. But he's just like, no, I will round you up. <laughs> or
1: whatever. I don't yeah. know. He's also just like, I really want to burn coal. Like, that was just, just like. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, who'd you pick for sad to see you go?
1: Um, I had uh, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. Um, who will be retiring at the uh, end of his term. Because He's a coward. Because there's a very good chance we will never see another Democratic senator from West Virginia ever again in our lives. Um, and for as much of a headache he could sometimes be to Senate leadership and to Joe Biden. You know, he was also... You, you don't get a lot of confirmed judges. You don't get the Inflation Reduction Act. You don't get a lot of stuff without Joe Manchin. I,
0: I agree. If he runs on a no-labels ticket, I... <laughs> I propose we wipe him from this category <laughs> we'll get to that yeah soon. <laughs> um, so I have a kind of a hot take here i I agree that she should have retired and or resigned or retired before uh, she died but I think diane Feinstein mm. uh, is my choice uh, I read uh, a eulogy The economist did about her after she died um and it was really good i it talked about how she's always kind of had this um truth-seeking behavior in the Senate uh, I talked about her working on the interrogation report uh, in the you know about a decade ago um, and it had kind of this really just powerful quote that she gave and it was you know basically you know you want to say to the world uh, say to our people in the world that America is big enough to admit when it is wrong and confident enough to learn from its mistakes I think like that kind of like Diane Feinstein was like a senator senator like I think she added a lot to the Senate in her very long time there. I'm sad that she had to, like, I mean, she got what she wanted. She died in the Senate, almost literally. Um, It was just kind of sad how that was treated at the end, uh, both for her and for the Senate. But, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll lament a death.
1: (laughs) No, I I think that is uh, certainly a fair choice.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't know a lot about her or even have strong positive feelings towards her, but... Turns out she was pretty cool. <laughs> um, so, dear God, please go away. Uh, I'm going with Tommy Tuberville, uh, the senator from Alabama. I think when it comes to just the characteristically select, uh, like, just Republican obstruction and dysfunction, he just best embodies kind of the fury this year. Uh, just for context... Um, The Defense Department announced back in 2022 that it, uh, you know, in the wake of the national right to abortion being revoked by the Supreme Court, that DOD would provide, I think, leave and travel costs for service members to obtain legal abortions. Um, That policy went into effect in February 2023, and the next day, Tuberville put a hold on all military nominations. So these were hundreds of defense nominations blocked. This hobbled both the Department of Defense and the Senate for pretty much the entirety of 2023. It pissed off pretty much everyone in the process. And it wasn't until fucking December that Tuberville relented. Uh, and all these people were just ultimately confirmed. Talk about a waste of like space and time that this man made. Um, I hope he goes away. Like, he... Uh, I do think this like should have been a... Like, this story was reported plenty, but not enough to, like, the non... Political news-consuming class like this mattered, and Tommy Tuberville was a real dick about it.
1: <laughs> uh, he certainly was. Uh, that, that's a good choice, and you know, even Senate Republicans were incredibly sick of him. Like, yeah, uh, really wanted him to stop as well. Yeah, um, and he just wouldn't. Yeah, uh, I I would agree. Just the, the embodiment of uh, Republican obstructionism, to say the least. Um, so this is going to contrast a bit with or clash a bit with my uh my side to see you go but uh, dear god please go away no labels um (laughs) just a a a a incredibly just like um there's something nobody's actually asking for like i know the thing i understand biden's unpopular i understand trump is unpopular the thing is no labels like the things they're pushing for is unpopular there seems to be this kind of myth that there is this this huge untapped vein of voters who are like um socially liberal and fiscally conservative and while that probably describes a lot of people those people usually also have strong partisan identifications and there is no kind of like these aren't there aren't that many people sort of like waiting for like a a savior like a a nonpartisan savior like that no labels clearly just exists to um i don't even know why they exist i they're they're completely delusional to the extent they can't (laughs) believe the polls that they throw out there saying that they can win X amount of states. They're completely delusional in the idea that even if they did win states and throw things to the House, that there'd be some kind of brokered compromise between Republicans and Democrats and, like, a compromised candidate. And one of the reasons that's delusional, outside of just the fact that, like, hello, look at what's going on in politics today, is that No Labels is actively preventing people from running on the No Labels line for other offices. They exist purely to run a presidential ticket. They are not interested in running people for Senate or for House. The kinds of people you would actually need to make this a viable party and movement. They Mm. just exist to play out some weird fantasy a couple of rich people with the money to create a fake political party um, have, like, want. And also, from what I read recently, like, I don't think they're doing too well as far as gathering signatures either. Actually, a lot of third-party candidates aren't. Um, So just like a, a completely pointless organization that could very well uh, do us to another Trump term.
0: You've become such a partisan, Mike. I, and I'm here for it.
1: But the thing is, it's like, okay, I I understand why Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is running for president. I don't like him. I understand it. Same thing with Cornell West. <laughs> Same thing to, I guess, a certain extent with Jill Stein. But it's like, the thing with no labels is that it's like, I don't even understand what point they're trying to make, and it's just a point like there's no. I just feel like there's no actual kind of like grass movement, grassroots support for it. Like,
0: oh, it's incredibly undemocratic. Little D, democratic. They're not even running in the primaries. They're not letting anyone except, you know, a, a rich cabal of weirdos like Joe Lieberman, <laughs> uh, you know, famously the most popular guy ever, pick ostensibly a ticket like a U- a unity ticket like. You don't actually know that anyone supports this ticket because they're not going through the primaries.
1: As far as I can tell, too, it seems like the only state they might actually have reached censure threshold for so far is Maryland. Um, speaking of Maryland and no labels, like Larry Hogan was like a no labels guy for a little bit. He has like endorsed Nikki Haley, so even he's done with them.
0: Yeah, people kind of think he resigned because they're going to give him a spot on the ticket, but I think it's because he he no <laughs> wants yeah I see that, but but
1: like he's literally endorsed Nikki Haley. Why yeah. would he do that? Yeah. You know, unless you're playing like three-dimensional chess, I don't
0: know. Yeah. I also hate on no labels and want them to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, scandal of the year. I will, uh, this is a quick one. I'll concede that this is maybe a result of a very I-95 adjacent media environment. But for all of the indictments of a former president or trials or Hunter Biden or Bob Menendez or Eric Adams this year, I feel like George Santos just overall was like scandal of the year.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree completely. Um, yeah, took over, like, it's not often that a, a first-term congressperson, congressman, becomes household name. And also, it's, it's, it's a re- literally like once-in-one-hundred-year occasion when one is expelled from Congress. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is the first Republican to be expelled from Congress, I believe the first who has not been convicted of a crime or has been part of the Confederacy. <laughs> Some people would say that that's uh, a, a reason why he should not have been expelled, um, but I mean it's pretty clear that he was like a compulsive liar who was a, a liability. I would say and, uh, yeah, des- deserves his place in the in the halls of infamy.
0: Yeah, did you have him too? <laughs> I did. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, okay, we're on to our our biggest moments. Um, our our we have three. You get to three, two, one. Uh, you want to do your third biggest moment of the year?
1: Um, yes, I had the McCarthy ouster. Um, uh, you know the, uh, the 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 move to vacate the chair, just a, a clear signal of what uh, the House of representatives became in the latter, not even like latter half, it's like latter quarter, I guess, of the year, and what it threatens to be for the rest of the one hundred eighteenth Congress, uh, completely dysfunctional, completely dependent on democrats who are in the minority to get anything done and um just having now a speaker who just has the sword of danocles constantly hanging over his head and um it just just really no easy answers to get anything done there and it all started with that uh
0: give us your number two and number one because you named one okay uh
1: number two i had the trump indictments um historic stuff, right? You know, a president I don't believe has ever been indicted like that before. Um, But, you know, uh, certainly while they were president or after they were president, um, you know, I think became sort of the dominant political story for a couple months there. Uh, Some people claim that is what made him uh, more popular within the Republican Party in this primary. I'm not 100% sure I buy that, but, you know, I, I understand your point, even though I don't necessarily uh, necessarily agree with it but uh yeah really um stands out and do you want my number one one too yeah i had unfortunately the october 7th attacks um obviously took over the media narrative took over the world's attention um and has kind of really come to define uh the the last portion of the year here and the beginning of twenty twenty.
0: Uh okay, we share too. So my number 3 was actually the first speakership crisis with Kevin McCarthy having to go 15 rounds. That was just wild. Like that had not happened in about 100 years. Uh my second biggest moment was the Israel Hamas war uh for the reasons you just said. And then my biggest moment just because both of those two things at least they've technically happened in history before. I'm not saying, like, the Israel-Hamas war will have much larger implications, I think, than anything having to do with Kevin McCarthy. Uh, a speaker has never been ousted before. So the speakership crisis, number two, where McCarthy was ousted, was my biggest moment of the year. And just the fallout from that was crazy. The, the weeks we spent doing absolutely nothing because the Republicans couldn't get their shit together. <laughs> wild. Yeah. Absolutely it's, wild. It's true. Cool. Um, um, and I, I will just run through who uh <laughs> we now have our who lost 2023 and who won 2023. I'll do my three things, things people I think lost 2023. In third place, I have the West Virginia Democratic Party, uh, they're about to be extinct for all intents and purposes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, in number two. Uh Kevin McCarthy definitely lost 2023. I think he kind of got what he wanted. He just really wanted to be speaker at least once and I guess he got that, but he's definitely leaving this year a loser. Uh and in first place I have Ron DeSantis, my loser of the year. Uh super overrated guy. Total weirdo. He lost 2023.
1: <laughs> and those are good choices. Uh they they overlap both minds. the number 3. I had anybody who had a vested interest in the debates being interesting or watched, or you know, like watched, um, <laughs> because uh, it really seems like people checked out after the first one. Because if you're not going to have Donald Trump up there, then what's the point of doing them? Um, number two, I had Ron DeSantis for reasons I think we, we've kind of kind of discussed. Um, it seems like he was going to be the future of the Republican Party. Now he doesn't seem like he's gonna do a whole heck of a lot after he's governor although who knows um and then uh number one i just said like gop house leadership in general right mm. whether it's mccarthy or mike johnson um just have to try and appease this unappeasable wing of the party that is clearly not interested in governing at all and will just sort of torture them for the rest of the year and 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 possibly you know lead to them losing control of the chamber in 2024 very good.
0: And then, who would you say won twenty twenty three, Mike?
1: So number three, I had I have a question mark at the end of this, but I said the Freedom Caucus, <laughs> um, because I mean they made themselves relevant. Uh, they 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 kind of um, you know they they had to be appeased to get two speakers elected. And um, the reason I have a question mark is because I'm not really sure what they've accomplished out of throwing things into chaos. But maybe that's their goal. But I'm also really not 100% sure. So, you know, um, whatever. Um, Number two, I had international right-wing populism. Um, It Mm. seemed like for a little bit that sort of, you know, this Trump and Brexit adjacent kind of um, right-wing populist movement that kind of came to define the late 2010s was, like, on the retreat, like, a little bit. Obviously, you had Biden winning. You had Macron winning re-election against Le Pen. Um, you had kind of the waning power of um, some of the hard right in UK politics, although of course not all of the hard right. Um, you had things like that, but now you had a Giorgia Maloney being elected as Prime Minister of Italy, which actually I believe happened last year. Now that I think about it, but she's still in power, which is notable in Italy, where a physically yeah. to Prime Minister every year. Yeah. Um, You had Javier Millet winning the presidency of Argentina. He's basically an anarcho-capitalist, although he's tried to move to the middle a little bit in his nascent presidency. Um, In Netherlands, Geert Wilder's party did very, very well in those elections, although I believe there will be a coalition government eventually. Um, In Ireland, which is kind of the country that was kind of singled out as like the one European country that had been kind of immune to a lot of the right-wing populist waves, you don't really have an organized uh political movement there but there has been a huge backlash to immigration inside of ireland and sort of refugees entering the country there were actually riots um about it earlier and it seems like that will become a growing wing of irish politics soon so in general just kind of a um uh right-wing populists kind of doing better than they had been earlier in the decade um and number one i had uh the dobbs effect um Andy Bashir winning re-election, I think that certainly played at least a bit of a role of it. Janet Protasiewicz, I hope I pronounced her name correctly, winning a, um, a Supreme Court seat in Wisconsin, I believe. Was there a Pennsylvania Supreme Court seat up again yes. this year as well? Yes. yes. That as well. Um, you had abortion referendum in Ohio, of course, which was preceded by a referendum in Ohio that... Would have written new rules for the abortion referendum um, that a lot of people were able to see through. Um, so just things like that, you know, when when you put abortion on the ballot, it has done well. I, I agree. Uh,
0: my number three was Andy Bashir. I think like if you're just to pick a person who kind of won 2023, it would be Andy Bashir. Uh, Number two, I agree. Uh, Abortion rights. Uh, I think you could, from a sheer number of people affected point of view, you could argue that 2022 saw the biggest restriction of abortion rights the United States has ever seen. Similarly, I think you can make the case that 2023 saw at least the biggest expansion of abortion rights uh, or protection of abortion rights since Roe v. Wade was like decided. Um, Definitely a winning issue in 2023. But my number one, not that abortion rights aren't important and don't affect a lot of people, but this certainly affected more people. I think the Federal Reserve won 2023. They brought down inflation. Unemployment has remained low. And, like, we never went into the recession that all of the very smart Wall Street types were predicting, (laughs) Um, which should make you raise an eyebrow as to their incentives. But... um, no, honestly, like the Federal Reserve, like totally nailed twenty twenty three. They like my kudos to them. It's very difficult what they did, but uh, it worked.
1: <laughs> would you say that 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 uh, they, they orchestrated a soft landing?
0: Uh it it appears that way. At least in twenty twenty three, it was soft. People thought we would be in a recession by the end of twenty twenty three, and that did not happen. Um, maybe there is a bumpy taxiing in twenty twenty four. I don't know. <laughs>
1: are the plates made by Boeing Yeah, apparently if they are we're in for some trouble Right.
0: Um, okay our last two categories we have schlub of the year and person of the year (laughs) (laughs) I love schlub of the year and you're gonna love you're gonna love my pick for schlub of the year Mike so my schlub of the year is a bit of a fallen star for me this is someone who when I grew up and really first started paying attention to politics meant a lot to me I would read his works every day and I cared a lot about what he thought. But Nate Silver has become maybe one of the people I hate more than anyone else this year. Talk about a guy who has destroyed all of the... Like, I'm a very loyal guy. I still give people like Justin Timberlake just, like, my money and my vote, if you will. (laughs) He's not running for anything. But, like, I used to love Nate Silver, and I cannot stand him anymore. He spent 2023 just being a dick... Uh, then everyone, like, at his place, 538, kind of it started coming out that he was, like, not a good boss. Uh, <laughs> then he was, like, sort of pushed out slash fired. Um, and he's just been so obnoxious on Twitter. Uh, and I get it. Like, it's hard. Like, I if I built something from the ground up and then it was, like, ripped away from me, like, I'd be a pissy guy too. But uh, talk about a bit of a – talk about a schlub.
1: Yeah, uh, I that's that's a very good choice. Um, yeah, just become like a very annoying personality. And the thing is too, it's like it's still like I when people point out twenty sixteen to him, I was like, I still do want to defend him because it's like actually like you know, you yeah, say it was like a twenty five percent chance, right? It's like, but he's just become yeah like such an obnoxious personality. I was actually very annoyed when he. Um, I guess like five thirty eight, they they kind of like basically downgraded Rasmussen and kind of changed how they were weighted in the polling, and he got upset about that. But like, you do any reading about Rasmussen, and you know it's not like a it's it's yeah it's a suspect firm, I should say. I, I'm not going to say that he, up, he but. just
0: picks fights about the dumbest stuff now, he and does. people wrote like I don't know. I, I feel like the election Twitter people has be, have just kind of collectively become a bit smarter than he has. Also I this is
1: a thing I noticed last night where just like he keeps talking about this book he's writing <laughs> and which I looked it up. It's called Uh On the Edge, How Successful Gamblers and Risk Takers Think. But whenever he discusses it on Twitter, I, I know I, I know less and less what the book is about because it just sounds like anything you can think of, he's gonna include it in his book. Um so I'll be kind of interested to see what it looks like when it does come out. But I yeah, I agree. Just, like I said, a fallen star, um just not, not a, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. When, when do you think it went wrong? Why do you think it went wrong for him? Do, do we know why?
0: If, I, if I'm guessing, if I'm taking a stab in the dark, and, and to, to quote, this is so, uh, something my mother would say, I think he got power punchy. I think, like, he's very much a nerd, and I think, like, it's kind of that Silicon Valley thing where it's like you get a nerd who all of a sudden is like a CEO, mm-hmm. um, and, like, they're just, like, just look bad and weird at it. Um, I think he just thought he was smarter than everyone else, and he's a very smart guy. Um, but there's like an arrogance that came with that. It's just a classic. I think it's a classic story, and I it, it's there's something J.K. Rowling esque about him. I will like I think he he cre- no like honestly he created like a great thing, and like I'll both J.K. Rowling and Nate Silver both created great thing. They really changed stuff for people, and I'm glad that they were on this earth i guess um but the more he talked the worse he got
1: yeah i'm just remembering there's something he did recently that annoyed me and it was actually this morning (laughs) he tweets out an image of of donald trump's favorability ratings um and he says trump is more popular than he's been in a long while which is true and then he says it's time to admit that deplatforming him didn't work and it's like talk about the signal and the noise he was deplatformed, a.k.a. taken off Twitter, because of January 6th. Like, not yeah. because people were like, this is bad, we're punishing you. Because Twitter made the decision that it is, like, a, a risk. Like, we yeah. are putting people at risk by letting him have this, this Twitter account on this day. Like, he's just creating, he, he's, he's being obtuse. And his whole brand initially was about not being obtuse and paying attention to the data. But now yeah. he's being obtuse. Um, yes. Moving on from Nate Silver, uh, we'll go to my schlub, <laughs> which was, uh, former house speaker, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I remember back in 2021, I was interning at a website and we were discussing politics and, um, they sort of like had political columnists who annoys me sometimes, but I won't name them. Um, but <laughs> she said that, um, uh, kevin mccarthy is he he, kevin mccarthy is whatever he has to be to make it through the next five minutes right like and that absolutely caught up with him in 2023 it uh delayed him getting his dream job and then it got him kicked out of his dream job and it got him kicked out of congress as a whole and what did he accomplish well i guess he had the one kind of debt ceiling thing right but um just like a total just like a real just the chickens came home to roost with him. <laughs> and uh he he really never had a chance. And um yeah, that's what makes him a shlub.
0: I I I agree. <laughs> He's we've mentioned him so many times for so many reasons this episode. He uh He definitely schlubbed it up. <laughs> uh Okay, you want to give us your your person of the year.
1: Yeah, so th- this was actually very hard, right? Um, um my
0: and, my person's not a person if it makes you feel better.
1: <laughs> okay. My person is a person, although there are some people who would I think argue with that. Um <laughs> I went with Matt Gates. <laughs> Interesting. Um, because he, you know, kind of led the movement to Alice McCarthy, which led us into this kind of you know, um, serious gridlock we find ourselves in now. Um he he became kind of the tail that wagged the dog, I feel like, with the House Republican caucus. Um I mean this this is very grim, but like to me that like if if, if I were, you know, a time picking person of the year and I didn't want to pick Taylor Swift, we discussed this offline like I wouldn't mm. pick moss because person of the year doesn't always have to be a good person and you know they have picked hitler and stuff like that in the past before because that that was like you know the paradigm shifting event but because i don't want to do that i'm picking matt gates instead um because i think when it comes to domestic politics he he was i I think in some ways the most important person this year
0: Uh, he was certainly uh the biggest domestic terrorist of the year Mm. uh literally but you know i mean like he and hamas have a lot in common (laughs) yeah 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 uh yeah no i I think uh i i do wonder if it would have happened even without him um if someone just kind of would have filled that role but uh it is kind of curious how quiet he's become since he got what he wanted which it seems just to have been to remove kevin mccarthy from i think he just hated
1: no he did he did hate kevin mccarthy he just wanted
0: kevin mccarthy gone um, and now maybe he wants to be governor of Florida, which, uh, <laughs> um, my person of the year is not a person, but they do pull him or her. So I'm going to include them. Uh, the generic Democrat is my person of the year. I, I think when it comes to a, a idea of a person, the generic Democrat very much won 2023, um, you look at all these polls, and the generic Democrat appears to be the only Democrat that consistently beats Trump. I would describe Andy Beshear as a, Demo- as a generic Democrat. I would describe pretty much every Democrat who ran and won something this year as a generic Democrat, from the Wisconsin elections to the Pennsylvania elections, just kind of across the board. Um, I struggle <laughs> to find someone who think- who sees the words generic Democrat and isn't like, well, that's obviously Joe Biden, the most generic Democrat of all time. Um, but I think that kind of forecasts where we're going in 2024, uh, and I think if the generic Democrat is the like winner and person of the year for all of 2023, I think that should make Democrats and the president optimistic about the year ahead.
1: That's an interesting, uh, interesting choice. It's almost <laughs> like when um, when time chose uh, the protester as their person of the year or something like that.
0: Um, yeah, yeah.
1: That's, uh, it's a shame that we can't get dem- generic Democrat to to run. For
0: president. He's really shame cool.
1: They, shame they don't actually exist. He or she. Yeah, we, we don't know. They yeah, are generic after all. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no. It's it is such a fascinating environment where election results tell you one thing, polls tell you another thing, and the vibes tell you. Something in between, I think, yeah. is how I feel kind of going into the 2024 election. Um, but I, I guess we'll just see how it turns out.
0: That we will. Well, that is our superlatives, our best and worst of politics in 2023. Thank you for listening, everybody. You can reach out to us on Twitter <laughs> for now. You can find and follow us at The Postwriter. You can email us at contact at thepostwriter.com. Uh, come. Do so. Email us. Tweet at us. Tell us who you think this year's biggest loser or winner was. Tell us Tell us who was a schlub for you. <laughs> or suggest some topics for us to unpack. We are a post podcast brought to you by thepostwriter.com. You can check out the stuff we work on, things we've written and our other podcasts and more over there. Welcome to 2024. It's going to be a big year. And thank you, of course, to Michael for joining.